0: seahawks 360 podcast a sports ethos production where we at the seahawks from every angle every week i'm your host candace hagans
1: and i'm tino gracias
0: and it is a pleasure and a privilege to talk hawks with you so today guys we are going to preview a great matchup today i think this is one of the i think one of the better games of, uh, of all, I'm going to say the whole football week, to be honest, because Monday football mm-hmm. didn't look like much either. um So I'm really excited for this game, not just because it's the Seahawks, but because it's a great litmus test, I think, with the Baltimore Ravens and sort of how they've looked early in the season. Um, Tino, what, what have been your thoughts kind of on the Ravens in general before we get into, too deep into it?
1: Uh, They are fascinating to me. I think they're such a unique organization and such a unique team. Um, I think that starts with, John Harbaugh and, and uh Lamar Jackson right and I know they've made an effort to to pass the ball a bit more and get away from so so much of the run heavy stuff that they've done but they still have that stout nasty defense that you really have to work against to be able to score and uh you know they've got their line the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball you're really going to have to bring your lunch pail and get to work because because this team is tough if the Seahawks win this game, uh, they're going to earn it, right? There's no, you know, there's no gimmies with the with the Ravens. This team is tough.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. Um, one of the things that I found interesting is when you look at this defense, you look at the names on paper, mm-hmm. they look like solid guys, right? But Like they don't look like world breakers, but yet they've been like, I mean, them in Cleveland have been like the top two defenses in the NFL for sure. And so it's interesting, but expect for the Seahawks to play, um, you know, the Browns and then and then the Ravens. But they they have performed like you would think the Seahawks would on paper, right? Like, like just I think they have less talent, but they just seem to play very well on chemistry. Chemistry mm-hmm. seems to be. Um, strong amongst the the team, the coach seems to put them in the right situation, and they're just an example of, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a ton of stars mm-hmm. to have a great defense. I, I would say
1: they have invested a tremendous amount of draft capital in that defense. Right when you look at Patrick Queen was a first round pick, uh, Odafe Oway was a first round pick, uh, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, right? They've got, you've got Jadavion Clowney, who was a former number one pick overall. Yeah. I think Justin Matabuike was a third round, but there's, and then they traded a ton to get Roquan Smith from yeah. the Bears. I think there are, they've invested a lot of capital. They may not be names that, like for me on the West Coast, that I that I know them from college. I don't necessarily know them and how they performed in the pros, right. but they're they're stout and they're tough and you look at them from unit to unit and you don't see weaknesses, right? Michael Pearson, Justin Madibuke have been two of the best interior linemen in football this season. Mm-hmm. Then you add queen and Roquan Smith, that linebacker, and then you've got the secondary that's always, I don't know if it's the coaching or what it is, but the secondary always seems to play well. Uh, that defense is tough. I think the Seahawks would be lucky to get over, you know, over 21 points in this game against this defense.
0: It's interesting to hear you say that because I think you've predicted like thirty in every in every Mm -hmm. prediction that we've done. So it won't be 30, but it's not thirty, but it's close. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. To to really get into some of this defense, um, this defense is number one now in DVOA, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm really interested for a couple of reasons with this team because, like you said, they do have like they do have the investments, like you said, on the front lines or really just all around that defense. But also when you kind of look at their schedule, there's opportunity to say that they haven't played the best and the best, maybe outside of the Lions. Um, and they well, they beat down the Lions. So I think everyone says, well, they beat the Lions, so it must be for real. And I like to see what they look up, what they look against another really good team. Um, because mm-hmm. they played what Tannehill, they played uh Joe Burrow in week two when he was for sure, for sure, still hobbled. Um they played backups, PJ Walker. Um, you think uh, did they play the Steelers? But the Steelers back up. They did. Yeah. Uh, they lost to the Steelers though. Ah. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's. They- it's interesting because you know they beat they beat Houston pretty bad, mm-hmm. and C.J. Stroud was this was his first game, but Houston's proven out to be good. They beat a battered uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati by three. They lost to Indianapolis at home, which was, was weird. So weird. That was such a weird game. They whooped up on the Browns, who we know have a great defense. Right. In Cleveland, 28-3. They're, all, they're kind of schizophrenic. They're all over the place, right? Yeah. They lost, to, they lost to the Steelers, 17-10 in Pittsburgh. They beat Tennessee. They beat the Brakes off the Lions, right. 38-6. And that's when you're like, uh-oh, are the Ravens like the best team in football and no one's talking about it? And then they go to Arizona and they win by seven, right? Which you can't sneeze at going to the West Coast from the East, winning on the road, right? That's not you can't really put that down, but still like there it's hard to predict what's going on there. Right? Yeah. It's hard to look at look at their schedule so far and say they're definitively
0: great yeah. or they're definitively bad. Right. Exactly. Which makes this interesting mm-hmm. which makes this this game particularly interesting for me because there are a lot of stats that as I as I research right them being number one in DVOA, mm-hmm. um just their ability to 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 uh to get sacks, the number one in the NFL in sacks, they're near, near sacks. the bottom in pressure, only at mm-hmm. 24% pressure rate, which means it's boom or bust for them. <laughs> like it's kind of like I used to say with Daryl Taylor last year. Like if, if he won, he won. And if he did not win, and that he didn't win as often, right. that was it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how sustainable that is. That that's a rare, it's rare to see that, to
1: be honest. It's interesting about their team too is is Mike McDonald there, not the singer, uh, their D coordinator who was the coordinator at Michigan for a while. Um, They don't blitz a ton. It's actually really similar to the Seahawks, right, where they're able to get pressure, generate pressure with their front, you know, with their front guys. And that allows their secondary to be great because they don't have to take away from the secondary to get pressure. And I think that's a for me, that's a huge key for both teams. Right. They're in some ways, they're really similar. Because you've got these defenses where you know I'm giving I know the Seahawks are what 15th in DVOA I think defensively they're 10 oh,
0: well defensively yes 15th I think 10 overall
1: yeah ascending I think you know with the addition we'll talk about it in a minute but the addition of Leonard Williams and the growth of Boye Mafe the growth of obviously Witherspoon the health of Adams I think this this defense is getting better and better
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but both teams have don't have any discernible weaknesses at this point in time. And I would say both defenses generate pressure without having to blitz. And that makes it really tough on the offenses, right? So it's, man, this is such a fascinating matchup to me. I'm, I'm so psyched for this game. I'm so psyched for this game.
0: Well, actually, when I dipped into the numbers, <clears throat> apparently mm-hmm. the Seahawks are now blitzing at a league average rate mm-hmm. per game. Which is completely different than any other year in the P. Carroll era, where for the most part they've been in like the bottom, like bottom five, mm-hmm. but also generally like bottom two in <laughs> right. the past few years, bottom two in terms of blitz rate. And I think that's what's allowed them to be more successful, even though they're still playing some a lot of zone. There obviously they are that they lead the league in zone coverage right now, on average to this point through week nine at a 90% rate. But um what I find interesting is that they had there have been games where they have gone man heavy. Um, mm-hmm. so I looked into the to the stats and they kind of based it on matchup zone overall, right? But against the Giants, they play like 43% man. Yep. Um, and then they paid 41% man against the Bengals. Bengals.
1: I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess in this game, this will be the lowest percentage of man and the highest percentage of zone that you'll see the entire season. Because Why? I hope I hope not. Well, because if you play man against Lamar Jackson and your corners, you're and the guys covering are turning their backs to Lamar, Lamar's gone, right? Lamar knows if he has, especially if they have deeper routes, Lamar's gone. Lamar's picking up 20 yards like that. Cause I'm I'm guessing that either Adams or Jordan Brooks is gonna be like shadowing Lamar, right? To try
0: to keep him from scrambling. No. You, you know, spy, so? oh spying spying
1: yeah. Lamar? Yeah. So so my point is if you if you're playing man defense and Lamar will have one guy to beat will be that spy. If you're playing zone and you keep everything in front of you, he may still scramble, but he's not breaking off 20, 30 yard, 20, 30 yard uh runs. In my mind, you can't a guy that mobile and that fast, he'll kill you if you play if you play too much man. I'm guessing they play zone. They, it's gonna be
0: the Candace Hagan special, your favorite. It's going to be zone. If they difference. do that, they're going to lose. Because I'll tell you what, Lamar is 78% completion rate against the zone. 50. 70%, 70% overall,
1: which is nuts. 78%
0: 78, 78 like,
1: against zone. Overall. Against what I'm saying is overall at 70, which was a, a shocking stat to me. When I saw it, I'm like, Lamar Jackson? You mean the one that everyone talked all that smack about as being
0: inaccurate? Is, I, I, never think, completely bought that. I, I think was it's
1: third ahead. in the NFL um, as far as completion rate or, I mean, uh, pers- completion percentage, I think.
0: Yeah. My playing.
1: point is you play man against a a fast, mobile, good running quarterback, he's going to kill you because all of your defensive players' backs are to, the, are to the line of scrimmage. And by the time they turn around and see it. The, the quarterback
0: has picked up 20 yards. If you're depending okay. on your corners to stop Jamal if you're sorry. If you're depending on your corners to stop Lamar Jackson from running, then you're no, in no, trouble no. anyway. That's yes. on the seven. No, I
1: agree, but you've got but you've got everyone dropping, right? Even if it's covering Mark Andrews the tight end. If the tight end is running down the seam, right? The linebacker or the safety has to follow him. If, yes, ever, if all the defensive players are moving down the field and the front four can't get to him, he's got this huge gap in between. Whereas in zone, your eyes are facing forward and you can see everything happening in front of you. And so that's why I say, I, I bet you it is, the like I said, the lowest percentage of man-to-man coverage played by the Seahawks this entire season is going to be against
0: Lamar Jackson. That would be my guess. If they will, they're going to lose. Like I said, he kills zone. He kills zone. You can play zone against him if you want. He can completely He's to light you up. And so See, I, say, you I would do, say he can complete passes against the zone, but that doesn't mean they're
1: picking up first downs, right? And I don't know that they will threaten the Seahawks enough that the Seahawks will keep it in front of them. They might surrender field goals,
0: but I don't think they're surrendering touchdowns if you keep them in front of them, right? So his team is ranked thirtieth in offense when they're when they're putting against man zone cover situations according to PFF, thirtieth mm-hmm. in offense. They are ranked first according to PFF, when you, play them in, when you play them in zone, they'll kill you in zone, Then I mean, they can do it. But it's a recipe to lose all day long. It's just like this year, the way this, this Ravens team is built, and maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't the case, but remember, they've changed their offensive scheme. So yeah. how you play the Ravens, how you played them last year, how you played them three years ago, maybe you're right, right? That was mm-hmm. a way to do it. But now, since they've switched over, their biggest weakness is man coverage. And part of it is because... While they've increased their receiver talent, the guys really don't get separation in person. They don't.
1: They don't. They're, no, they're they got names, but they don't have the talent that you would associate with those names. Odell, Odell hasn't caught a touchdown yet. Right. right? Exactly. He's getting PIs. He's drawing, drawing, taking the top off the defense, but he's not been great. Rashad okay. Baker has not played up to his first round billing as a wide okay. receiver. Right. Right. You got now Zay Flowers has been great. But Zay Flowers operates in more shorter and kind of, you know, uh he's middle great down zone. types of yeah, ty- types of patterns. Yes, he is great in zone. Yes. But what I will say about him is he gonna get locked up this week.
0: Not right? if play zone.
1: Unless, <laughs> unless he's playing it. They can still they can still hit him, they can still react to the pass, right? I think the one that I'm worried about is Mark Andrews, right? Because Mark Andrews
0: is a top three tight end in football. From yeah, a passing standpoint, who's covered him? Jamal. I would love that. Actually, in in man to man situations, I would love that. Actually, I think Jamal can do that. He can match Jamal up right. on a tight end well. Now, if you put him against Cooper Cup, then he's going to get smoked. No. But and the you, fast twitchy guys—that's not Jamal's game. He can't do that. The big want, you physical want, you want, you tight end.
1: following a tight following a top three
0: tight end around the field? He can. Mm-hmm. Either him or David Witherspoon. Now, I'd rather have Witherspoon on, say, Flowers, to be honest. I think Witherspoon on Flowers
1: is a great matchup for the Seahawks.
0: So then you put Jamal on tight end. And so, sure, he'll get open sometimes. The goal isn't to lock the guy down. The goal is to contain him. And I think Jamal can do that more than people give him credit for on a tight end type situation. He locked up George Kittle. He plays great on George to, Kittle. George Kittle, man. I'm George Kittle, not the George Kittle three years ago, though. Well, Jamal hadn't played. I mean, we're when we're we're talking about, if we're talking Jamal on George Kittle, then we're not talking about the past two years. I'm
1: saying the name George Kittle carries more weight than how good of a player he actually is still, is what I'm saying.
0: I think well, we, when Jamal to, when, when Jamal played on Jamal. When, Jamal, when Jamal played on George Kittle in the specific games I'm talking about, George Kittle mm-hmm. was still George Kittle. Now I agree with you. Now he has okay. he's not. Currently, master production, but also yeah. Jamal hasn't played, right? So, like, right. you know, it. I with that.
1: See, this will be fun for me to watch because I, I would for one would not. Jamal matching up, the majority of the game against Mark Andrews makes me nervous as heck. Makes me nervous, right? I would rather Jamal be in more of a roaming, not not a deep safety role, but a, a safety role closer to the line of scrimmage. Where he can assess and react and make plays as opposed, like in a zone, as opposed to being able to or having to follow someone around the field, right? Because if it's me and I'm going against, I've got, if I'm Baltimore and I've got Andrews against Jamal, I'm running Andrews on crossing patterns all day, letting him post up because I don't think Jamal can handle that. You put him in front of Jamal and let Jamal react to the pass then he can break that pass up, right? Because I think his instincts are what makes him great. But I will, lo- I love these conversations because it gives me something to like really hone in on when I go to watch the game and say, you know what, I remember that conversation. I want to see what happens with this.
0: Um, and see what they do. I think right. They that, might play zone, but I think if they play zone heavy, they're going to lose. Like, it's just, it's just that simple. I know, yes, there are a couple, one or two advantages maybe to playing zone, and that is, I guess, Jamal on tight end. But I also say the biggest disadvantage to that is one of Mark's, Mark Andrews' biggest strengths is taking advantages in the weak spots of zones. Mm-hmm. So, they I f- mean. Big flowers, too. That, that's why. Yeah, like, why play to their strength, their I guess, is, is why I would say if you're going to play to your opponent's strength on their home turf, you're going to lose no matter what. I would still say, though, the strength of that team, I know they've become more
1: pass-heavy than they were in the past. But you look at that line, you want to talk about name brand. You want to talk about like big names with uh, Linderbaum. They spent the first round pick on a center, right? Ronnie Stanley is a top five left tackle when healthy in football. Yeah. Kevin Zeigler was the top um, free agent guard a couple years ago and has been a pro bowler, right? They've got name brand dudes on that line and a, a, a bad, bad, bad offensive line. They can block. And so to me, it's still... Man, I I sound so old when I say this, and I know football has changed, but I still believe it. I think they've got to stop. You can't let Gus Edwards run all over you, right? You've got to stop the run against his team. And and this is an offensive line. I like the addition of Leonard Williams. We should get into that because I think it makes them more stout. It gives them more talent up front. Um, But even with the addition of Williams, if – The Ravens ran for 160 yards against the Seahawks and and won. It would not surprise me because the talent on that offensive line is that good. To me, that's the strength of that offense, that plus Lamar. And I still think it starts with stopping it. If you get, if you stop the run and you force them to pass, I think the Seahawks have the advantage in that situation. If it's the other way around and they're running the ball well, I don't think we're, I don't think the Seahawks are winning.
0: I'm not sure that's the recipe to win anymore. I think other teams have tried that and failed because um, Lamar is better. Yeah, Lamar is a quarterback. He's, he can throw it outside the numbers. He can you can actually, and, and if we're talking 100%. about containing, if we're talking about containing Lamar in the run, then again, that's on your front seven. That's on your guys to set it. It's on your boy D Taylor to Set an edge, right? Uh those are that's not gonna be on the <laughs> cornerbacks because they're playing man coverage set of zone. Okay. That's <laughs> gonna be on your edge setting guys, not setting an edge and not containing, or like doing like Frank Clark did a couple couple times in the last game, and that's being so aggressive, trying to rush the passer that you completely break contain. I think it's yeah, gonna yeah. take discipline yeah. on your front seven. That's how you win. I agree with you. You want to keep them contained in the pocket, but I'm not putting that on my cornerbacks not putting that on my cornerbacks. Cornerbacks' jobs are covered. No, no my front no. seven is. What I'm talking about, that's not.
1: When I'm talking about the zone and, and playing the run and having Lamar Bernie or playing or play, play having Lamar Bernie when you're playing man, that's more. That's not just the corners. That's everybody turning their backs. But that's more about getting to the second level. You're right. If the front seven or that, or the front five, if you want to call them that, the three linemen and the two outside linebackers, yeah. if they can hold up, yeah game changer. Absolutely. I just, I don't know that I have the confidence that they'll be able to hold up.
0: I can Let me ask Jordan you this. What Brooks. was your? Go
1: ahead.
0: Go, no, I was just going to say, I trust that Jordan Brooks and Bob, as good as they've been against the run, I trust mm-hmm. those guys in those situations. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I trust those guys enough to play my corners to their strengths. And I can't mm-hmm. make hypothetical situations based on what ifs. And I kind of got to go on what I know. And what I know is don't play to their strengths. Um, but what were, what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you.
1: So this applies to this game, but it applies to the rest of the season as well. What was your, what's your initial reaction to the Leonard Williams acquisition? What the Seahawks gave up for him? Does it fill a need? Were you excited as a Seahawks fan to see them make the deal? Were you surprised? Uh, what do you think is going to happen with the, with Leonard Williams and the defense?
0: Um, I like the deal overall. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get why they. Maybe had to give up a second in terms of money. Would you have loved for it to be a third? Absolutely, just because it is sort of a one-year rental type of situation. But also, it's what they needed. Um, we talked all off season. We, you, me, us, the entire like 12 nation. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone was talking about how badly they needed interior line depth. And it's like Jan Reed became good and all of a sudden we don't need that anymore. They still needed another guy. Um, They Mm -hmm. lost Mike Morris. That was a big loss to the rotation. They were still short a guy. And they really, to some extent, I think, you know, things went their way in terms of still having guys for the most part available um, to to play those games because they just didn't have the dudes. Um, Mm -hmm. In order to get the best out of Draymond Jones, I think you want them on a rotation. I I don't think you want to overuse them. It's early in Mm -hmm. the year. They don't have another bye week. They Mm -hmm. needed that. That was a bigger need. And you also, I know a Chase Young would have been fun. But he doesn't stop the run at all.
1: <laughs> he's, he's a, he would be a, he probably played some. Well he also doesn't necessarily fit this defense perfectly because he's not, he's not stout enough to play that 3 4 D end. So he's probably would be taking the Nwosu role, at which point, you know, is he fat? Is he, um, have the lateral quickness to be able to do that. Because to me, he's probably just a little bit too big to be able to do that. I don't think he was a good fit for the scheme. And I know people were comparing the those two trades and saying the Seahawks gave up more for Leonard Williams. But Leonard Williams was, first of all, Leonard Williams is what they, I believe they needed, right? I right. I know Mario Edwards has played all right, but but to replace him with the talent of a Leonard Williams, I think is makes a big, big difference. It was... I believe they get a compensatory pick if yeah. Leonard Williams signs elsewhere, right? Yeah. They do, and they traded away a, the two, and people were upset that it was a two. But they have two threes from previous trades, and so you know, obviously a three is not a two, but you're not, you don't have a big hole in your draft um, as you would if you would have not had the two threes. So the other cool thing is, and this is coming from like the the Mariners fan perspective is all Mariners Twitter ever talks about. Only questions I get for the podcast, for the Mariners cast, is when are the Mariners going to spend money? When are they going to trade minor leaguers for a star? How come we don't get all, you know, we don't make any deals? How come this team doesn't want to try to win? Right. They see everyone else getting the bright, shiny, you know, Rolls Royce, and the fans want want the Mariners to do the same, Right. right? But then these same Mariners fans turn around when the Seahawks
0: trade a two, and a five for Leonard Williams, and they're critical of them trading a two. Right. Like, which one is it? You don't know what you're going to get from a second rounder. You have no idea. You
1: don't. You don't. And which one is it? Do you want them to trade and go get a star? Or do you want them to hold on, you know, kind of grasp on to all their assets and not give anything up? You can't have it both ways. So for me, from a fit, right, the Seahawks like those tweener, strong, like the Draymond Jones, you know, you can – penetrate and and rush the passer, but you're stout against the run too. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it balances, it really balances this defense now. You got Draymond Jones on one side. You got uh Leonard Williams on the other. Jaron Reed is playing at an all pro level, which is the biggest shocker to me. Right. You got these edges that are that are playing out of their minds right now. To me, this is a top, this might end up being a top five defense by the end of the year, barring injury. His defense is great. I loved it. I was when I saw that. I don't care what the Niners do. The Niners have injuries, and if Brock Purdy shows his true colors, I'm not worried. I'm worried about the Niners, but
0: um, they're not the juggernaut people thought they were. And, the, and that it builds to not- me. They didn't build on their weakness. They 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 keep building on this strength, right? Which is right. their D line. Cool, mm-hmm. Javon Hargrave. Cool, mm-hmm. Nick Bosa. Cool. That hasn't really helped them to this point. But then, so then, so then, because it hasn't helped them to this point, then they go get another guy in the same spot on the D line. Just and and then the question is, dude, your cornerback room they can't is, cover. I was they, just gonna say they can't cover. Your cornerback room is abysmal right now, and and mm-hmm. so I I'll take that from the Niners. Cool. Like I'm more afraid. I did a poll out I said what's scarier you know the, the right. 49ers getting a corner or them having Chase Young in in it by a landslide them getting mm-hmm. a corner is much more scary because it makes them more complete and the Seahawks imagine, make the move that makes them complete you
1: imagine they go out and get like a Patrick
0: Sertain or
1: somebody right. like that so, right it, it would have been game over because mm-hmm. they can't they can't cover the thing is too what was interesting about that move is and I want to talk about Gino a little bit. Gino has proven in my mind that he can play basically he can get rid of the ball by like two Mississippi. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, because we haven't been able to protect him at all. And he's still, in my opinion, as I watch him more, he's balling out. And, and so, you know, the the Niners can go out and get all the pass rush they want. They're not stopping Gino with the pass rush. You're stopping Gino if he would have gotten a corner. Right. So It's either they don't, they're not concerned about the Seahawks, or that was what they could get, and they're going on from there. But yeah, I, I completely agree. You took the words out of my mouth. They needed a corner a hundred times more than they needed another pass pressure.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, good by me. I'm good with that. If they're gonna make a move, then I'll take that all day. Um, but 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 back to the back to the matchup at hand. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I guess, do you have any other thoughts on? Seahawks defense versus Ravens offense before, I guess, we flip it.
1: Not really. I just, I think they're going to have to hold, they're going to have to hold up at the point of attack, right? You can't, first step one is don't get run over. Yeah. And and I think, I really do think that, you know, I know we may disagree, but I think you play assignment football, you play primarily zone to keep things in front of you because they're not going to bust any big plays and you keep the game close. And then ultimately it ends up on Gino's shoulders. And I think Gino has proven that he has the ability to win the game. So to me, defensively, I wouldn't take too many chances. Um, I do think that some sort of matchup zone might be good. I think that that having, if you're able to have, figure out how to have Witherspoon on Flowers and keep the rest of the stuff in front of you, I think that's a great matchup because Witherspoon is one of the few corners who has the uh, lateral quickness to stay with Flowers but also has the physicality to be able to bully him a little bit. Right. Um, But I I just, I think it's a, it's a fascinating matchup. I do not expect the Seahawks to get tore up defensively. I think um, think it's a close game. I think it's a close game. And, and I think that, like I said, the defenses, there's a lot of similarities between the two defenses for
0: me. Yeah. We're going to see, we're going to see if they play zone and look good. Um, Cause I don't disagree that they'll play zone. I, I disagree that they should play zone. So we'll mm-hmm. see. I think that they can have just as many as to plays in zone. In fact, I think they can have more um, just because that's how their players play, but we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Um, all right. So flip the script. Seahawks mm-hmm. offense against the Ravens. You know, I guess I, Number one, kind of by DVOA standard, they are number one in defense. If you say it's Cleveland, I think last week that sort of shifted from what I understand. So mm-hmm. they're back to playing number one defense. Mm-hmm. And you um, know has struggled. Gino, on, on, similar to, to Lamar, has struggled against man. And those guys play man. They play man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they played 25%, um, which is the fourth, mo- fourth most in the league right now in terms mm-hmm. of cover one. They play a ton of cover one. Um, And Gino is the worst quarterback against man coverage right now, only averaging 3.6 yards per attempt, whereas versus zone, he's averaging 8.4. It is a humongous difference. And uh, that's got me scared. That's got got me worried. Let me give you a counter.
1: So I was listening to one of the the football podcasts on The Athletic. Okay. And they were talking about – um, it's Nate Tice and, and Robert Mays I think and I agree with what they said but not to the extent they basically heaped praise on Gino Smith for 10 minutes and they said that Gino Smith is smarter and more effective of a quarterback than anyone realizes and there's a lot of interesting stuff they talked a lot about the routes that receivers that quit on and attributing some of the interceptions to that. Yeah. They talked about his ability to dissect mentally dissect defenses. They talked about his ability to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, and those are things that I saw, but I don't have the the same expertise, I guess, as some of those guys do or the time to invest in, in really watching film to that extent. But it was, it was, a it took me aback a little bit to, to hear them talk about Geno Smith in such a, with such high praise. And you know, I think sometimes they talked a lot about Shane Waldron too. Saying Shane Waldron is like a top, top, top offensive coordinator. And they loved all the creativity and it was, but I was surprised by it. And so I hear the numbers about Geno versus man versus zone. But I also, you know, in my mind, when I hear cover one, man, to man, cover one playing against the Seahawks. To me, that's a DK Metcalf game. That's a, that's a DK Metcalf game all day. I go to DK and I say, Hey man, like you're going to play, you're going one-on-one against Marlon Humphrey. And I, I need you to eat him alive. And I'm going to give you opportunities by putting the ball up early and trusting you to go get it, right? I think if they're facing cover one and you've got pressure on Gino, I expect to see a number of go balls to DK in this game, right? Where he's looking towards towards Lockett and then he goes back to Metcalf, right? But if he, because Metcalf, that's, that's why you're paying him. You're paying them to be able to, to be a man-beater. You're paying them to be able to, to eat that kind of coverage alive. Now, they might roll the safety over, but now you've got one-on-one on JSN and Lockett, right? And so I think this is – I understand they play – they're heavy man. I understand they play. It, they put a lot of pressure, but I do think Gino will have opportunities to make plays in this game. And the fact of the matter is I trust him. I trust him to make those plays. Um, I also – I worry about their ability to run the ball in this game. Um, (laughs) I do because I think it's, I think it's important to set up the play action, right? And the Seahawks are such a heavy play action team. Play action doesn't matter if you can't run. Um, it's not necessarily to sit, to go score points running the ball, but I think you have the threat of the run has to be there to be able to run play action, especially against a team like Baltimore. What do you think?
0: Uh, well, first I want to respond to the DK thing because Mm -hmm. on paper, I agree with you, but they did that last game. And most of his incompletions were to DK. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I understand that that DK was sick. To my Mm -hmm. understanding, he was very sick, and he pretty much played through that. But it just seems like this year, he and DK have not been able to get on the same page, Mm -hmm. chemistry-wise. And it's not just last game. It's sort of been a reoccurring thing. There have been times that it's worked. So I'm not saying it's boom or bust that way. But it has been concerning that they haven't been able to, I think part of the reason why the man hasn't worked to be honest is because him and DK have struggled in that regard. In a lot of his man attempts, I think he does exactly what you just said, right. Try to go up for DK and mm-hmm. sometimes DK can bring it down, but more often than not, it seems like that's not been the case. And I agree with you on a lot of stuff that the, the podcast guy said that I still think, you is a very good quarterback. I am a little bit worried about the turnover. Some of them are not on him, but some of them are, mm-hmm. some of them are, yeah. um, some of them could have been avoided, no question, uh, but he does. There is an issue in that regard, so I'm not sure that I'd lean into that as much uh, offensively because of that. I think you need contingencies because if that's your only game plan and the game plan has failed in the past, you give it a shot, but then you need to pivot quickly if that's not going the way you want it. I think it's a lot of it
1: is, though, it's just to loosen up you got to bring the safeties back, right? If they're playing cover one, that means they've got eight guys in the box, probably, and or eight guys closer to the line of scrimmage. And if that's the case, you got to loosen that up, right? In order to be able to run the ball and throw some short passes. The other, I think you know, the emergence of JSN is gonna help that. Their linebackers aren't great cover linebackers, right? You got Patrick Queen and uh and Roquan Smith, yeah, and they're fast, but if you can get JSN to loosen some of that up in the middle, or even Tyler Lockett to loosen some of that up in the middle and you bring a safety up, that's going to help too. I think that a lot of it, when I say, you know, throw goal balls to, to DK, a lot of that is, it's not necessarily the intention is, is to complete the pass obviously, but it's the impact that that has on the shape of the defense afterwards, because that's a threat that's almost as important as actually completing that pass. And so for me, it's, it's stretching the defense and, I'm sorry, DK Metcalf is to me, you know, a top high, a top three deep threat in the league physically, right? What he's shown that he can do over the course of his career with the Seahawks. And even if he hasn't done it well in the first seven weeks, I think you got to keep feeding him. You got to keep giving him, throwing him the ball, even if it's not effective, because that is what he does best. Um, So I hope to see that. I just... I think the offensive, the thing with the Seahawks that's different, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is with the emergence of Bobo, the emergence of, um, of Noah Fant to a certain extent this year, the emergence of JSN, you can't lock in to just DK and say, I'm going to shut DK down and let the rest of them, good luck to the rest of you guys. There's talent all over the place now. Gino's more of a point guard than he is anything else at this point in time. And I love that. That means you can't, you can't zero in on one guy.
0: To that point, my strategy would be, to this point, I'll, I'll give this context. To this point, the Seahawks offensively have been very game plan, game plan oriented. I think they've based what they want to do around what the opponent is. And I, I think I like that to some extent. I think there are some downsides to that in terms of identity or what have you, but I also think that the versatility is is a strong suit, even if they've not been elite at any one area. So because of that, and because they don't have anything yet to lean in on that is their go to, I think the strategy is use the versatility to your advantage. This is the number one defense. Do everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Run and go ball DK. Yeah. Also, do some tight, do do some uh, twelve personnel, right? Your two tight end sets. Take advantage of those guys. You know that's worked really well in the past. See if it works well against this defense. I agree. Throwing some play at like this is the thing where the first half is all about. I just throw the kitchen sink at the dudes because one you got to get them thinking, right? You got to make them think. You want you want guys like Roquan Smith. You want him thinking. Patrick Queen. You want him thinking. What are they going to do next? What is his formation? And Shane Waldron is really good at playing. A one formation and then building different things from that i think mm-hmm. if you play different things in that first half you do i mean heck they've had two successful screens in a row i thought i'd never <laughs> do the day in two weeks in a row so why not throw a screen in there and see if it works because right. for whatever right. reason i think I it's jay bobo is blocking it seems to work mm-hmm. right now we'll, we'll, i wouldn't do too much screen throwing but like just you know, see if it works, see he can do anything against them. But I really would use your versatility to mm-hmm. your advantage. When you're going against mm-hmm. a tough defense like this, you need to see what works. And then in the second half, hone in what went well, what didn't go well, and then mm-hmm. just rev on that. Right. Um, because why not? You got the skill, you got the skill guys. Like you said, you got the tight ends that can do it. You got Gino that can do quick game. He can do mm-hmm. play action. He can do no huddle. He can do slow tempo, grind it out or run run the ball out. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit better about the run. Um honestly cuz Peters did a really good job last mm-hmm. week. Uh he had an 88 um point run blocking. Um great. Mm-hmm. Not good at all in the past game. Um but you know what? With as many pass-oriented guys as we have on that offensive line, I'll take a run guy. Him and Anthony Bradford, those two, my run-blocking guys, cool. Um, Because I think they need a couple of them. You need somebody who can get some push at the line of scrimmage that you can Mm -hmm. know you can run in that direction. And Pete seems intent on rotating guys out. You can debate the wisdom in that or not, but he wants to get Peter some runs. So if he will, I feel a little bit better about the run game. I think they went away from the run game just – but, um, I don't know. There wasn't really any clear reason. I think they just kind of got caught up in what yeah. they were doing. But the run game was successful. It wasn't that they couldn't; they just didn't do it enough. And Pete right. said that. And so I think they'll be more intentional about running it too, um, which I think will help because I agree with you. They'll need that for the play action to work. Um, but they've got so many things in their arsenal. Throw everything, <laughs> think, yeah. And I, I think the point,
1: the point is well, a really great point that. If you're, if you're multiple enough against a defense that's this good, you're you're forcing them to process and think. And if that gives you a tenth of a second more where they can't react, right, that's hugely valuable. And so you have to throw multiple looks mm-hmm. and different types of plays at them and get their eyes moving back and forth yep. you know, to give yourself a little bit of leeway and a little bit of time to test. I think I love that point that you made. I think that's brilliant. You know, so K-9 is averaging 4.4 yards, mm-hmm. yards a carry on the season. Zach Charbonnet, 5.8 yards a carry on the season. I think Charbonnet is going to get, nice. I think we're going to see him, especially against a tough, grinded out defense like the Ravens are. I think we're going to see more Charbonnet than than people expect, right? I hope so. Because he is such a tough runner. Yeah. And I don't know if that means less Walker. I just think it means more Charbonnet, right? Yeah. And but this run game is, you know, it's not as if they're breaking these huge long runs to, to change that average. K9's long is 45, that's which is good. Charbonnet's long is 21. That just means he's getting chunk after chunk after chunk. Right. And I'm not I'm not saying run the ball all the time, but I am saying you've been effective with it, mm-hmm. right? Continue doing what you're doing. And that's a part of the multiplicity that you're talking about, where they, you know, everyone can't just drop back for the pass and the outside linebackers can't pin their ears back and just come after Geno all day long because you've got the threat of, you know, maybe it's a draw off tackle to to Kenneth Walker and he's running right past that pass rusher. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I love that point. I think you're right. That's what they're going to have to lean on, the brilliance of Waldron and the fact that they have such a balanced offense from a talent standpoint yeah. to be able to win this game.
0: Yeah, I don't Hello. think this should be no one person's game. I'd just love to see Noah offense with yards, uh, J- JSN with yards, had a lock with yards, to mm-hmm. see a list of dudes with 30, 40 yards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good with 40, 50, maybe even 60 yards, right? If well, five catches if, if each. Out, if it's evened out like that, mm-hmm. that's their best chance offensively, I think, at winning because it does become hard to defend. And I think they've done it. They've done a good job of I think showcasing pieces of that,
1: mm-hmm. but I don't think
0: they've ever taken one game to incorporate a lot of things. And I right. think they're capable. I think it's just a matter of, like you said, Shane Walton just choosing to do so. Right. Um and I think that if they do that, and if it is close, then you can, like I said, lean on your run game. Out this is a game I wouldn't mind seeing them grind out the possession, like the the time of possession, keep the, the, position, the mm-hmm. ball out of Lamar's hands, keep him from making mm-hmm. a big play. I don't think agree with you they shouldn't go run heavy. But it should be much better than it was last week, where they were, were at what seven times, to- 17 times? Something yeah. like that? Like something yeah. ridiculous. Uh, you gotta be better than that. Um, mm-hmm. and I think because of that, you will see it be more balanced, at least in the run pass. But even more so, I'd like to see them be balanced in just diversity. So if they right. do that, I love their chances. Um
1: it goes without saying, but I also in a, in a game where these defenses are so tough. I think that you've got – ball security is even more important in this game. I think points yes. are going to be hard to come by. Yes. And you can't give up a short field, right? You give up a short field to Lamar and they score a quick seven. And it really does change the balance in this game. I just think these defenses are going to be hard to score on. You don't want to give the the other team any advantages. It means that the receivers are going to have to run the right routes. Yes. They can't hang Geno out to dry, right? You can't it means Gino might have to get rid of the ball quicker and not get hit when he's holding the ball. So he doesn't fumble. Yep. It's got, they've got to be, you're not beating a team as tough and as like mentally tough as the Ravens without, or, or by making mistakes, you've got to be mistake free and you've got to be smart about it. They're just, they're not going to beat themselves. They're just not, that's not who they are. You know,
0: I agree. Um, and I admire that about the Ravens well, organization well, and the team. They will beat themselves. Uh, they might be top five in fumbles this year.
1: Offensive, offensively, yes. Defensively, they're not. Yeah. They're not. You know, they're too stout, gotcha. too talented to to do that. I think yes, they will. Lamar will fumble sometimes. He can get loose with the ball. You know, he can throw. Not this year, but he's thrown picks in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's such a fascinating matchup. These two, we could be looking at two. You know, top. I'll call them top five, top six teams in the NFL in this game. It's the matchup. I think everyone nationally outside of that Miami, uh, uh, Kansas city matchup. This is the matchup everybody wants to see.
0: Definitely for for sure. Um, So one thing that I've got, we've talked about a couple of the key matchups. We've talked about Devin Mm -hmm. with split on Zay flowers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about Mark Andrews and Jamal Adams is another. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) And then another one though, that I think is, Under the radar, and I do try to find my under-the-radar stuff as it is Seahawks 360. Mm -hmm. Um, Daryl Taylor versus Ronnie Staley. Like, I'm concerned. I am so concerned about him being able to set the edge. Now, I will say this. He looks improved versus the run early compared Mm -hmm. to last year. Last year, he was an absolute liability in in every way. Mm -hmm. I still think that sometimes that he's a liability, but he does seem to be more active. Mm-hmm. At least in a and more responsive because uh, some of his liability was just like effort, right? Which is not even you didn't even try. Mm-hmm. I didn't see as much of that. I looked for it on the tape uh, from from last game against the Browns, and it wasn't there as much. So that mm-hmm. is gives me a little bit of hope. Um, Frank Clark was somehow worse than he looked like Daryl Taylor last year against the run. <laughs> I know I said that to everybody, but Taylor should be. <laughs> I said in the edge well, I I was wrong is,
1: is so yes that matchup scares the heck out of me because Ronnie Stanley is from a talent standpoint is a top three left tackle in football
0: for right
1: sure. for sure and what happens if what happens if your edge rusher is undisciplined in their rush lane against Lamar against Lamar Jackson what exactly. happens Lamar's okay. gone exactly Lamar's gone he's gone and, and that's That's what I worry about. because And that's Taylor's MO, right? Taylor's MO is to just go rogue and try to get to the quarterback. And Lamar's taking off for 20 yards. If it's me, now, I haven't examined Taylor's discipline over the last couple of weeks. But if it's me, I'm more apt to play either say to Frank Clark, you're a veteran, you're smart, you know what you're doing, you got a little bit off kilter last week. I need what I need you to do is I, I need you to rush the passer, but I need you to r- stay in your rush lane and be smart because you know what happens if you're not against Lamar or, you know, maybe it's Hall and Hall ends up being, you know, playing a little bit more assignment football and and staying in the lane. But I can't take that risk, not against Ronnie Stanley and not against Lamar Jackson. You, I don't think you can take that risk. Otherwise they're running. It's either Lamar out the back door or it's, you know, it's uh it's Gus the bus like off left tackle, you know, because Taylor's too far outside, you know, it's Gus running left side over and over again. Right. It's it, to me, it's imperative that either Taylor plays assignment football and doesn't go rogue, or you play the veteran who, you know, gives you less upside uh, rushing the passer, but is going to be smart about it. Cause yeah, I think, I think that's a, that might be the most pivotal one-on-one matchup in this entire game. It's yep.
0: gonna be on that left side. I, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. looking at the tape, because I have paid attention to Taylor, I, I would give him a shot, but he'd be on a short leash. Mm-hmm. He'd be on a very short leash because I didn't like what I saw from Frank Flock. And part of it is right, he just got to this team. So mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be surprising if he did anything game wrecking. Um, and so since he's had another scheme as much, I also don't know if I could count on him to play disciplined football. Um, because right. he didn't know where everybody was supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, he doesn't know that. So and 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 their their hall struggled against the Browns. He had okay. to be at the worst BFF rating of anybody on defense. Um, mm-hmm. I saw some flashes still, but he also had some rookie moments, right? So mm-hmm. I in, in a scenario worst of worst, you give their De- Derotello a shot, be willing to try other things. I also think that this might be the game where you do play with a spoon. Tentatively more in the slot, which is cool because they like to play Zay Flowers in the slot. I think for that reason they don't like him in press cover situations. So they yeah. um, tend to get him lined up in the slot. Sometimes you want Devin with a spoon there for that reason, but also I think he can help you a lot more in the run support kind of offset um, what you might have in terms of setting an edge. He can sort of you're not going to be able to stop them if 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 Devin with a spoon is your guy. If you stop the run, you, you're probably going to get some yards, but mm-hmm. it won't be it won't kill you the way that it could kill you.
1: They could shade Adams over there too. Yeah. Right. They could shade Adams to that, to that side as well. Right. And I think, I definitely think that would help. What just came to mind to me is this is probably the first game where we will see the, Im, the impact of the injury of Mwosu. right? Yeah. If it's Nwosu and Mafe, you're not worried. Yes. Mwosu probably wouldn't win that matchup one-on-one with Stanley very often, but he's not making mistakes right? He's smart, and he's not making mistakes. Now, Wilson gone, you're replacing him with someone undisciplined potentially, and that's where you see the value of the player that does the right thing all the time. Yeah. I think that's where it really could potentially show up because of the combination of Lamar, Edwards, and Stanley. I, I, I love that point.
0: I, that's a brilliant point. I love it. I, love I, I agree with you, and, I, and I, would, I would argue that you saw it last week. Mm-hmm. That defense wouldn't scout against the run. I mean, they did all right. They had enough make-up plays, enough splash plays, uh, tackles for loss to make their numbers look decent. Right. But they had some – because sometimes I feel like they got gashed. I'm like, all right, that was like a six-yard, seven-yard run. Um, And then the screen game killed yeah. them. They, yeah. got, they got screened to death. And I yeah. think if Su had been there, he's really – he's great at play recognition. And yeah. I'm not saying he's a screen risk or anything. That was KJ. But I think he helps yeah. a lot in the, the disciplined nature of – getting out on the edges and being able to make these explosive plays they There's how didn't have the recognition to react suddenly enough. I think that you need in those situations. So yeah, I agree with you, but I also think we've seen some of it too. I think mm-hmm. Leonard Williams will help. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't. Know, I don't want that guy pushing the pocket to me. I want him pushing the pocket enough to make Lamar uncomfortable. I don't care if you don't sack Lamar at all. I really don't. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Keep him in the pocket. Mm-hmm. I could care less if you sack that guy get some interior pressure on him maybe but I don't want him out on the edges yeah like, the pressure should just come from within this is not a game when I'm going to say blitz a ton if you're going to blitz be strategic yeah but it's not something I would say you need to just blitz heavy aggressive it's not the game plan I think that you need for these yeah. guys um, The for the front seven they need yeah. to play sound disciplined football
1: yep yeah. I agree. Yep. I agree.
0: You got any other matchups? I think that's my main ones for me. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm interested to see how this turns out because I didn't think we disagree so much on the defensive game plan. That's, <laughs> that's something to watch for, for sure. Right? Um, I love it. It's, I do think whoever
1: – I'm still worried about right tackle. I know that's an, that's a cherry pick and it's easy to talk about, but – and I know Jadavion Clowney his much of his value these days is stopping the run. It's not about being the explosive pass rusher. Yeah. But a veteran like Clowney, who's still athletic, or Odafe Owe, who's so fast, right tackle is gonna be difficult. I, I I hope that they continue to chip, you know, with the with the back or with the tight end. I hope they continue to give him help over there because it's that's my worry. I, I think Charles Cross is is not giving getting enough credit for being as good as he is, right? And then I'm also worried that both guards are on the injured list. So, yeah, just worried about about the interior and the injuries, and and that right tackle spot because they do have some dudes on the in that front seven. Um, but it's weird because as much as you worry about the pass rush, I, like I said, I think Gino's proven that that he's able to to dissect the defense and get the ball out quick enough that the pass rush is less, I would say not unlikely, but less likely to eat him alive than maybe we thought it would have uh, earlier in the season.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And especially on the interior part, because I do think that, you know, struggles a lot more with interior pressure as most quarterbacks do. They tend to struggle Mm -hmm. more with interior pressure than on the edges. They could, they could navigate step, step inside the pocket, that kind of thing, step up in the pocket to, to avoid pressure. Interior pressure is going to be important. I thought I heard, and maybe I misunderstood that, that some of Damien Lewis's being out was being sick. Yes. If so. He's both sick and sprained ankle. Yeah. If so, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he can come back and play. Um, I also heard that Phil Haynes is back, but I don't know if that makes me happy or sad. Uh, That's your boy, Phil Haynes, right there. <laughs> Haynes, Haynes has been up and down, and, and so has Bradford. Bradford's mm-hmm. – I think Haynes has the higher floor mm-hmm. in a lower ceiling by far. Right. I think Bradford has a higher ceiling. And so the question is, do you – you know, which, which, which card do you want right. to play? Uh, but mm-hmm. I would I would lean if I had to in this particular matchup with Bradford because you do want somebody who you can get some push in the run game against because I think that will be important. Mm-hmm. Um, Braves are going to run. you got to be able to run too. And so I, I do hope that he can be healthy enough to come back and play and play well enough. I know he would be still recovering from that ankle, right? But you kind of hope that he can hold up because I think they need they need they need a couple run guys. Him, Peters, and mm-hmm. I feel a lot better about the run game.
1: Mm-hmm. Me too.
0: So we'll prediction? see. You. What now? You got a prediction? All oh, this whole game, I've been going back and forth. But you scared me now because I, I I felt comfortable, right, that the Seahawks can adjust to their opponents and because they played 40% man mm-hmm. on matchups that they felt that was necessary. And I just knew that all the numbers point to, and all the film, really, if you watch it, points to you playing man against his team. But now you have scared me into thinking that they will stick with the zone and lose. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with out. I think they still win. I think they come out with win. I'm gonna go win. I'm really more out of hope. I'm not sure that they win, but you hope. And if they do win, I think it's going to be like 24, 21. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's, um,
1: that's exactly, that was exactly my prediction. Seahawks 24, 21. But I think, I think it's, I think the Seahawks defense is more talented player for player. I think yes. they lose if they make wrong um or incorrect scheme adjustments or decisions with scheme. I think the defense itself is more talented. I think it's going to be next to impossible for I don't think they're going to the Ravens are going to be able to pass the ball very well. I just don't. I think that the, this this secondary is becoming better and better and it's if the Seahawks are going to lose it's because Baltimore's running the ball. And, and runs them over to a certain extent. But, and I trust, I just, ha- I trust Gino. I trust that offense to be, I think the talent on the offensive side for the Seahawks is so spread and and at such a higher bar, a higher level than it has been previously that I think they score, I think they score 20 points in their sleep at this point in time. I think they've developed to that point. I think JSN's had a huge impact on that freeing up everybody else. I think Gino's becoming better and better over time. I just I think the Seahawks are better. And I know I'm saying this about the number one ranked DVO, DVOA team in football, but I think the Seahawks are better. And I think the Seahawks are better than people think they are. So I, I'm going Seahawks 24-21. Um, my homer. Yeah, absolutely. I am. I don't know if you'll ever hear me pick against them, but, you know, I, I this is a realistic pick for me.
0: I uh yeah, I don't trust the offense. that's why I'm that's why I'm worried. I think I think the defense will at least be average. Mm-hmm. I think they might struggle some against a good a really good Ravens team. I don't I would be surprised if the defense was dominant in this game mm-hmm. and it seems like the games with which the defense is not dominant, the offense has had a really hard time making it a game. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um they they they've had the any wins that they've had they've had to pull it out of their tails really I mean mm-hmm. like there's no way around it, and that scares me because I don't know if the I think I think the offense on the Ravens can get a score if they need to score, and I'm not sure that the Seahawks if they need to score can get a score. I'm not saying that that comes mm-hmm. down to, you know, being clutch. I, I think he's more clutch than people think he's proved mm-hmm. he proved it last game, but I also think that they struggle in the red zone. And so it's even awesome. if they march all the way down the field, yeah, you know, I don't think they're getting a bunch of explosive plays off on this team. So if right. they're going to get down, if they're going to get to the red zone, they're going to have to earn it. And then if they get to the red zone, my question is, what do you do? i um, a ton of field goals. Won't get it. Um, right. This particular timeout. And I also think that, you know, he needs to be clean this yep. game. Um, if the Ravens give him something with a fumble, great. But, you know, can't give it back. Um, mm-hmm. I need to – my trust also in this offense will depend on me seeing them play a clean game. I haven't seen it in weeks, and yeah. that's part of why I'm I'm losing some trust. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not all on, you know. I agree that some, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's not being put in the right position. Sometimes Waldron calls some weird plays. Sometimes mm-hmm. these receivers aren't running the routes that they need. And so, with it being so many things to point it, not just one, I, I think it. I'm still going win, but it is on hope because I'm not I sure. Was, I, I was gonna it. say you changed. Your I don't opinion. believe it. I, I don't really. I don't truly believe with my chest. Um, <laughs> but I do. I agree with you in the sense of that. I think the roster has the talent to beat them. The question mm-hmm. is execution, and okay. I think that's been the question. All year, offense yes. especially, it's not for lack of talent, it's lack of execution. Defense, I think you're just seeing their talent coming together and just right. finally starting to execute in the way that they need to. Can they be consistent given the loss of Nwosu is the biggest question mark, I think, for me? Right.
1: Here's one, one positive note to end it on. And my and I think we can agree that this defense is on the ascent, right? Sure. You add Leonard Williams. Witherspoon has got more experience, right, in this defense. They're gelling. It's conceptually, it's a little bit new. You're, you're integrating Adams back, right? Woolen was hurt for a while. Roles are a little bit more defined. And in the last four games, this defense gave up three points to in New York against the Giants, gave up 17 points in a loss against a refreshed Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm gave up 10 points in a win against the Cardinals and gave up 20 points in a win against the Browns. So the most points the Seahawks defense has given up over the last four games is 20 points, right? To me, that that's a positive sign. Even the first game against, you know, it's, I, I just, I think that this is a defense that is getting better and better. I think it's a defense that has the potential to be a top five defense. And that gives you a shot in every single game. And even against a, the number one DVOA team in the Baltimore Ravens, so you know, if I'm a betting man, do I put money on the Seahawks to win? <laughs> probably not. I probably put that I probably put that ten dollar bill back in the pocket and wait for next week. But as far as you know, I, I think the Seahawks have a legitimate shot in this game, and and it's it's a one of the probably most fascinating matchup that I can remember um, to watch these two teams face off on Sunday. It's going to be a blast.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it. And that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Tino, you want to tell them where you can find where they can find you? Yes. So you can find me on
1: Twitter at Tino Junior20, T-I-N-O-J-R-20. I host the Mariners Cast. Um on it. you can find the Mariners Cast on uh Ethos Mariners on Twitter. Uh yes, I'm calling it Twitter still. Uh, right now, I'm previewing um, free agency and uh, going through my different positional uh, breakdowns. We did uh, off our outfield today. That will that podcast will drop later on tonight. Um, usually two podcasts a week. A lot of fun just working on my database for baseball and watching a ton of football. I love it.
0: Awesome. Well, you can find the show at Ethos Seahawks, so be sure to give us a follow. Um, happy to give you some detailed coverage today. I think it was a great episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, be sure if you're listening on YouTube to hit that like button and subscribe. Turn on your notification bell so you can continue to get our episodes. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. We'll shout you out if you do, um, or if you don't have a five-star if you give your honest opinion. We'll accept that as well. Um, so thanks for the support, guys. That's it. That's all the time we have for today. We're out. And as always, Go